For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I am super excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Lou Mangello, and we're going to talk about how to start a show with live video. And I know you're thinking, ah, a show, live video. Wait, a show? Wait, live video? Well, we're going to talk about effortless ways, and yes, literally effortless ways that you can start producing regular content using Facebook Live and thus begin producing a show. And whether or not you use Facebook Live or Periscope or any other live video platform, you're going to find a plethora of ideas in today's podcast, and you'll walk away with a lot of ideas to encourage and inspire you to get started with live video. By the way, if you want to reach me, podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com comes directly to my inbox. And with that, let's transition over to this week's brand new discovery. After untangling a school of anacondas, look what Michael Stelzner found. Speaking of anacondas, that's a really good opening for this week's discovery. I don't know if you're like me, but you know, it's summertime, I've been working my booty off, and sometimes I need a mental break. And the thing that I'm about to share with you is actually something fun, a fun little distraction that can be a little bit addictive. And your kids may already be into it. It's called Slither, slither slither.io, S-L-I-T-H-E-R.io. Is this game where you are essentially a snake and you basically uh, move around in this world with other people and you just eat dots and you try to intercept the other snakes and essentially knock them off and eat their dots. And as you get larger and larger, uh, you begin to get up on the leaderboard. And um, it's a heck of a lot of fun because it does not require anything. You just pull it up in your browser. But it also does have an app. And uh, this app does work in airplane mode for those of you that are traveling. And uh, when you're in airplane mode, you play against uh, you know computer opponents, if you will. But it is absolutely a blast, a lot of fun. And I suggest you check it out. I'm warning you it is a little addictive, but it's enormous amount of fun. Uh, it's in the top 10 right now in the iTunes store. And I don't know if the app is available on Android, but like I said, it works in a web browser. Uh, so check it out, slither.io. And if you want to know what my high school score is, it's over 34,000. And uh, you'll understand when you start the game that that is a very hard score to get to. Anyways, check it out. It is a bit of a distraction, but... Don't us marketers need to break every now and again? 
Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. Let's transition over to this week's brand new episode with Lou Mangiello. To help simplify your social safari, here's this week's special guest. I'm very excited to be joined today by Lou Mangiello. If you don't know who Lou is, he's a Disney expert. He's written multiple books and audio guides for people visiting the Disney theme parks. And he also hosts the very popular WDW Radio Podcast, which stands for Walt Disney World. And he broadcasts a live show regularly on his Facebook page at facebook.com slash Lou Mangiello. Lou, welcome to the show. Michael, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to bring Lou on today. We're going to be talking about ways to use live video and in particular creative ways that Lou is using Facebook Live. And we're going to dig into all sorts of different things that Lou is doing. And it's my hope that if you, as you listen to today's podcast, you're going to begin to be thinking about ways that you could do live video, whether it be on Periscope, Facebook Live, or any other platform. So Lou, I want to start with a little bit of your story. Uh, you've been on the podcast before, and uh, welcome back, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. So um, I think it was at least a year ago, but uh, what I want to do is start, I want to sh- talk about the story of how you got into live video, because you've been using live video even before it was called live video. So why don't you share a little bit about that story? Yeah, so when I was uh, doing this whole Disney thing back in New Jersey in, in 2007, I had um, the blog. I had a community. I had uh, obviously there was no such thing really as social media back then, but I was producing content and everything that I was doing, even like the podcast was a one way push conversation. And that was always very frustrating to me. So in 2007, when uh, a program called obviously Ustream uh, became a lot more accessible, I wanted to just give it a try and see so that I could have really a two-way conversation beyond just email. And quick story, like I'll never forget the first night that I did it. I told my wife, I'm like, listen, I'm just going to try this thing. I'm going to go down the basement, do do a little live broadcast. Nobody's going to show up. I'll be upstairs in 10 minutes. Six hours later, she comes down. She goes, what are you doing? She's (laughs) like, I hear you through the air vents, like talking for the past few hours. She's like, who are you talking to? I'm like, I have no idea. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I don't know. Just whatever pops up. But there was a couple hundred people that were watching and chatting and, and engaging and it was really an eye-opening experience for me. And since then, I've been broadcasting uh, every week um, live video, you know, almost without fail. So you said you started with Ustream in the beginning. Is that correct? Yeah. And for those that don't know what Ustream is, maybe you could just describe, you said it's a program, but maybe just describe a little bit more what it was like back in the day. So it, it actually wasn't very much different than it is right now, unfortunately, but it really was a platform that allowed you to broadcast live audio and video with a built-in chat room. So you had that feature as well. There was um, a desktop software that you can do. So you could do it right from your desktop and a webcam. It was incredibly accessible. Um, the program wasn't overly expensive and it really was pretty stable. It allowed you to do a lot of um, lower thirds and, and I could embed audio and, and pictures and video. So I was able to do a high you know, production value show, but the most important thing was I was able to not only let people really watch me, but it was allowing me to respond immediately in real time to their questions and comments. So how many live video shows do you think you've done over the years? Oh, God. Uh, I mean, 
Thousands? <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, if you've done, uh, well, okay, if you've done one a week for uh, X number of years, maybe not thousands, but you've definitely done hundreds, right? Yeah. I mean, between the, the weekly ones and then the uh, sort of ad hoc ones that I do maybe as I'm traveling or in the parks, I'm probably, yeah, it's probably close to a thousand. That's amazing. So, um, so folks, we're, we're talking to someone who's been doing this for a long time and has been doing it before. You could do it on your mobile phone. And, you know, like you said, back in the beginning, it required probably a hardline connection and it required, you know, desktop equipment, right? And I think that's what's so exciting about today is now anyone can do it anywhere that they have an internet access, right? And even on their cell phone, which is pretty amazing, right? And that's what I love about the the growth of the medium is you're right. It is now accessible really to anybody and everybody. So, okay. So we're going to dig in, Lou, and um, fast forward, if you will, to when Facebook Live came out. Tell us a little bit about what you, how were you experimenting with that in the early days? So I went from Ustream. I tried Livestream. I was a, like a day two Meerkat user. I was a day one Periscope user and, and really thought that, at the time, was the best of the bunch, and then I had gotten um, an email from Facebook saying, "Hey, you know, we'll we'll verify your account and give you access to this Facebook Live." So I was simulcasting using uh, two different devices, so I could compare the quality of the two, the engagement of the two, and also I wanted to hear from the user perspective what their uh, experience was like. And honestly, Mike, very quickly, I let people know, "Hey." This is going to be the last time I'm doing Periscope, and I went all in on Facebook Live probably October of 2015. So, so those for those that aren't uh, that that want a little backstory, first it was the Mentions app in the early days only for people that were quote unquote celebrities who had that blue check mark on their personal profile, which Lou was granted, which is awesome. So Lou got an early start. I think it was probably not until November or December that I got it because they started rolling it out to personal profiles. So you got a bit of a head start. So that's awesome. And today you're, you know, you're regularly doing uh, Facebook live. So what I want to dig in on a little bit here, Lou, is the different ways that you are using Facebook Live, because I think a lot of people are really going to be inspired by all the different possible applications that you're using in particular. So where do you want to start? So we'll start sort of with the basic show that I do every week, because most times I'm doing it right from my home studio, which means the fifth bedroom, but it really is my home office. And... Uh, again, Mike, the idea is not so that people could see me. It's so that we can have a real-time conversation. And those shows will be anything f- from me talking about that week's um, uh, r- most recent Walt Disney World news. It could be as simple as an Ask Me Anything just to sort of kickstart a conversation. It could be Q&As. I could be um, showing off things that I have in my collections I really try and make it incredibly conversational because for me, the, the beauty in the, of the medium is not that it's a broadcast medium, but that it's a conversation medium. So I want to actually talk with the people who are in there. I want to ask them questions as much as they are asking me questions. So when I do those, it's not about where I am. 
it really is about the conversation. And obviously when I go, you know, offsite and I go to Disney or I go on a cruise or I travel, it's a much different type of experience that I'm trying, trying to convey there. Yeah. So we'll get into the offsite stuff, but I want to break down each of these. So, um, because I think that each of the, you know, mentioned the, the, the news, the ask me anything, the showing things off in my collection. So let's start with the news. Uh, because I think it's, I think some people would be interested in possibly covering the news in their industry. So tell me, tell me what that when you talk about news that's going on that's related to Walt Disney, like how, what are you talking about? And just give us a little bit of a kind of a show flow for that kind of a show. So normally, what I would do is I would do the first fifteen twenty minutes of a show and talk about the the, the weeks. Walt Disney World news, um, you know, sort of breaking news, things that were going on. But again, it was not unlike watching TV that people are sort of yelling at. I wanted to make the audience really part of the broadcast. So if I say a new restaurant is opening or this attraction is coming or something is changing, I would always turn around and flip it and make it a question that I would ask them. What do you guys think? What's your favorite place to eat on property? Make it, um, again, more conversational and less broadcast. Okay. So let's say, do you, how long, first of all, when you're doing a new segment, how long are these, are these shows typically? You're going to hate this answer, but as long as it needs to be. What's so, a, what's a range? Uh, 10 minutes to a half hour. Okay. So when you go into that show, do you have a number of um, news items that have happened in the week? And do you say, okay, folks, this, we're going to cover these news items at the beginning of the show. And then do you kind of um, tell people the news and then ask them what their thoughts are? And I, I just kind of, I think people would love to know kind of how you, how you take, you know, which is, ob you have your sources where you gather your news and anybody can gather news on their industry, but how you take that and make that into a show, I think is intriguing for people. And that's it. You, you hit the nail right on the head because by the time that I'm talking about it on Wednesday night, everybody probably knows about it already, right? They've gotten their news from Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever they are gathering it from. So it's not about me necessarily breaking news uh, about things that are happening at Disney. Maybe if I'm talking about news about me or my brand, it's something different. But by the time it gets to the, that Wednesday night show, it's something that I want to discuss with people, right? I, I don't want them. I'm not, I'm not trying to necessarily break news, although sometimes you, you get the opportunity to do so. Um, but it really becomes more, and that's the differentiator right there. Um, because I, I don't want to just repeat things that they knew already. Okay. So when you are, when you have potentially hundreds of people watching you live, how do you actually have that discussion with them about the news? Is it just a matter of asking a simple question and then waiting for the responses or give people some tips on that? So sometimes the, the, uh, whatever it is that you're talking about will drive engagement, will drive conversation. Sometimes it's a little bit tougher. Um, I always will have question, a question or questions in my head to initiate a conversation, to get people to respond. And then the important thing is not just to ask the question and let people respond and mentally or you're, you're, you're off on the next question. You really, really need to pay attention to what those responses are and say, Mike, I saw your question, you know, your comment about, you know, the boathouse at Disney Springs and then make that a conversation with that individual or multiple individuals. I think you're hitting on a key point here because, um, imagine, I don't know if you've ever been to improv or whatever, but, um, you know, these like whose line is it anyway, kind of shows where there's a live audience and you get to raise your hand and they call on you. This is a very engaging way to keep the audience totally there, right? If they see that you're the, 
the show host or whatever, and you're calling them out by name, um, that's a pretty exciting thing. And the likelihood that they're going to stick around a little longer is very, very cool. Um, so talk to me about the ask me anything, because this style of a show seems very loose. And how do you do that when you, when you have a ask me anything kind of show, give us a little bit of the rundown on that. Well, I think ask me anything serve a number of purposes, right? So for the audience, it, it allows them to engage with you, somebody that they have watched and like, and sort of feel that they know, but maybe they have a question for me, it could be something personal. It could be business related. It could be about an upcoming Disney trip. But you hit it on the head before. Being acknowledged, right, in the live broadcast is really important to people. So when your name is called and said, hey, Mike, that's a great question. And then you're getting a, a personalized response from somebody whose show or site or whatever it is you've, you've followed for a long time. That means a lot to people just to be acknowledged and to recognize that way. And I think as a host, a lot of times people say, yeah, I'd like to do live stuff. I just don't know what to talk about. I just, I, I don't know, you know, I don't want to read off a script or don't know what to do. Ask me anything's will allow people, <clears throat> excuse me, to, drive the content, to drive the conversation and to drive the direction. So you're not trying to figure out what they want to talk about. They will drive it for you. I tried this uh, on Social Media Examiner and it was actually a really big hit. People really appreciated it. The only concern is that they're going to ask a question I don't have the answer to. <laughs> so how do you decide? I mean, you, you'll probably get more questions than you could possibly answer, Lou, or, or are you just kind of one of those guys that knows so much about Disney that you can answer almost anything? I try and go as quickly as I can. And normally at the end, I'll do like a lightning round. All right, for the next two minutes, just rapid fire. Like I'll just answer as many as you can. The blessing and the curse is as the audience grows and the questions come in faster. Sometimes it's it's really, really hard um, to keep up with that. But, you know, the other thing too, Mike, that, that I think people like, and, and for you as well, when you turn on your camera and you're in your office, you're giving people a peek behind the curtain of your business or mm -hmm. of your life. And they love being able to look and see, you know, what does Mike's office look like? What's on the walls? What does he have on his desk? What's on the, the shelves behind him? So, and it doesn't matter who you are or where you are. So if you are in your kitchen, your office, your assembly line, whatever it is, the fact that you're turning your camera on in a place that's so very personal to you, um, people love that. And sometimes those things will drive the conversation. Hey, Mike, what's that poster on the wall? What's that award you got? You know, and that all of a sudden starts to let you become a storyteller and then share stories about those things too. Now, you said you also show things off in your collection. So I presume that since you're a <laughs> Disney fan, you got a bazillion Disney collection things. So if you are actually showing someone something, you know, what do you tell us? Explain a little bit more about how that particular style of your show goes. I mean, how do you, how do you, you know, give us an example because I don't even want to put words in your mouth. How's that go? Well, so in my office behind me, I have a large bookshelf sort of with open cubes that has um, a lot of things from my Disney. Look, I'm a total nerd, right? So I have Disney stuff in there. I've got Star Wars stuff in there. I've got Marvel and Spider-Man stuff. And sometimes I'll, I'll hide new things in there from week to week, but people will, uh, be watching and say, hey, like, what's that thing over there on your shelf? What is that, you know, Star Trek thing? What is that Spider-Man thing over there? 
And that allows me to bring it off to tell a story or people can say, hey, Lou, what's the, you, you know, what's the favorite thing in your collection? I can now turn that around and say, OK, you Disney fans, you know, God forbid there's a fire in your house. You can run out and only grab one thing other than your family. <laughs> what would it be? And again, it gives people a chance to think you recognize their answers and it becomes a conversation and something fun that they are engaged and involved with. Do you actually do a show that's specifically showing off like a Star Wars collection or is this just something that you weave into your existing shows as a little bit of variety? It's just something that happens. Gotcha. Um, all right. So beyond the office, you get a chance because of because you're a Disney expert to travel all over the place to all the Disney theme parks, the Disney cruises. So talk about what you do when you're when you're physically on location because there's so much that you do that I think could inspire people that want to not just do something from the desk top, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I, being able to to break away from your chair sometimes it doesn't matter where you go. The idea is that I want to take you, and I'm pointing to you like a single person with me. The same thing I do on my podcast. I'm not talking to all of you. I'm talking to you specifically. So. I want you to join me on a tour of this new restaurant. Give me a tour of um, you know a, a new part of the park. Take you with me on a first-person adventure. Hey, together, you and I are going to go and ride Space Mountain. We are going to go and try this new you know restaurant in in Disney Springs, whatever it might be. It really is connecting them to that experience, them making them feel as though they are part of it. And yeah, in my hopes, you know, if I show them something in Disney, I want them to go and enjoy it for themselves when they come here in real life. Well, and this is getting a little closer to what maybe some television shows people are familiar with are like, except it's unedited and then it's live, right? Because there's so many of these shows where they take you behind the scenes and show you how things work and stuff. But, um, you know, I, one of the things that goes through my mind is, you know, how, well, we'll get into, I guess, how you do that. Do, but do people like the actual on location stuff more than they do the desktop stuff? I think they both serve different purposes. So I think that they, I think it's much more interesting because certainly who wants to stare at my face for a half hour to an hour on a Wednesday night? But when you can turn the camera around and you're taking them with you and you're walking through a theme park, a restaurant, uh, you know, if I'm, Donor social media marketing world, and I'm walking around the, the the show floor in the space. Those are the kind of things that people want because it gives them the sense that not only are they there, but they are there with you. You are taking them along with you. I saw you do a cool one where you were um, you were on an old fashioned train. Do you remember that one? I think it was Disneyland. You're on some sort of train, and you got to peek inside. Does that does that ring any bells? Yeah, 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 yep. And I think you were even you had some sort of Disney expert with you, and um, they were showing you things. Do you, do you often, um, I, I, I think the whole interview side of it is kind of fascinating as well. I mean, do you do that sometimes as well? Yeah. I mean, so the, the nice thing too is the beauty of live is that it's live. So yes, you can schedule things in advance and you could have somebody come on who is an interesting interview because it's one thing to read something that they say. It's another thing to hear their voice and, and, and hear the passion of the voice. It's something else completely when you can see them and when you can ask that person a question. I am not, when I'm interviewing somebody live, I am no longer the only interviewer because I'm able to take questions from the people who are watching. And again, they feel special because their questions are being asked by you to the person they want to hear the answer from. Awesome. So, so far we have just, um, 
revealed a whole bunch of different ways that Lou is using Facebook Live. I want to get into some of the actual um, preparation that Lou does. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, before you go live, what kind of prep work, what, what other suggestions do you have for our audience if they're going to experiment with some of these things? So I think there's some, there's some practical stuff and some technical stuff. So um, some of the advice I give is to not prepare at all, right? You know, the, the, the point of it being live sometimes is that it's very real. It's very authentic. So going in sort of unprepared is great because I think that's what people like. They like that raw, unrehearsed uh, uh, authenticity to the broadcast. That being said, I think you do need to prepare ahead of time because you don't want to turn the camera on and have nothing to say. Mm-hmm. You need to start talking immediately. You need to have some things that are going to at least prompt conversation. So especially early on, bullet point a couple of things that are, are talking topics. Not things you're going to read off of, but will give you questions to ask your audience. That's the, that's the first way to, to get them engaged. Obviously, from a technical standpoint, you know, making sure the lighting is good, making sure people um, can hear you. Um, and, and having to just get right into it. And look, you know, the one thing about live, Mike, is um, sometimes it takes a little while to start feeling comfortable doing it um, and, and, you know, practice. It and, and there might not be anybody there for the first couple seconds, but you have to act as if they're there because people are watching the replays, right? Absolutely. So how do you, how do you typically get started in the first 10 seconds when you're, when you're broadcasting live? The same way I, I would as if there was one person there, right? I would thank them for showing up. I would welcome them in. I would, you know, talk about maybe where I am or what we're going to do or what the intention of the broadcast is. Give people time to get in. And as they are coming in, especially early on when it's one, five, ten, to acknowledge those people by name. Hey, you know, Anne, welcome in. Where are you guys from? That's the easiest way to get people to start talking. Uh, Oh, hey, you're from San Diego. Oh, my God, I love when I go out there for social media marketing world. That is how you can start having a conversation. Give people a little bit of lead time sometimes before you write, uh, start getting into the meat of the content or, or beginning the tour. What is your typical lead time before you get into whatever you're going to do? What are we talking, just a minute or multiple minutes or what? Uh, I wish I could say that I had it sort of figured out in my head. Um, a couple of minutes sometimes, depending gotcha. on how fast people come in and, and what I'm doing too. Because sometimes I'll go live at spur of the moment because something really cool is happening and I want to share it with people right away. Gotcha. Um, when you're actually writing up your posts to go live on Facebook, what are you, do you have any suggestions? Because obviously when we go live on Facebook, we're competing with everything else that's in the news feed. So um, how do you typically write the quote unquote headline, if you will, for the post that you're about to go live on? So I, I make sure it's very clear and concise and telling people, letting people know exactly what it is in a very, you know, small consumable form. And it's also very deliberately crafted in terms of walk with me through the magic kingdom. I want you, the one person that's reading it, to come with me together through a certain spot. They mm. know it's not, hey, I'm going to broadcast this and you just go watch me having fun. no. I want us to do this and have fun together. Gotcha. So use some sort of a verb like walk with me, join me on a tour, you know, something along those lines. Um, experience, right? Uh, experience a, a meal at the brand new blah, blah, blah restaurant. Just some, something to entice someone to click and, exactly. and click the play button and actually watch it. Um, now, one, the next question is when you're actually on location, 
I know that that's a different situation than when you're at, when you're at your desktop. Well, actually, let me back up. You mentioned lighting. Um, what do you do in your home office to get better lighting? How do you do that? Because I'm sure a lot of people might just start out from their, you know, with, with their iPhone in their, in their office somewhere. Any suggestions or tips on the lighting side of things? So I would love to tell you that I have this whole three-point lighting system and all these LED lights everywhere and I check all my shots. I have none of that. Uh, I use my uh, my desk and a couple of lamps and an overhead light, and it is what it is. It's the best that it can be. Um, it probably, you know, the camera adds probably not 10 pounds, but 20 pounds when I do it that way. Um, but people are forgiving to a certain degree of the technical stuff. You don't need to spend, I mean, this is the thing, Mike, you don't need to spend, you know, hundreds, thousands of dollars on equipment and lighting and all these things. And sometimes, as long as they can see you and hear you, the more raw and authentic it is, I think sometimes the better it is too. So you're just using a couple desk lamps and some sort of a hanging lamp above your computer kind of thing? I, right now, I don't even have a hanging lamp. I just have a couple of, of desk lamps and the warm glow of my 27-inch iMac. <laughs> gotcha. And as far as audio goes, I mean, you're using a podcast microphone, which makes you sound really good, right? But you don't need to do that. I would imagine even your iPhone microphone would be better than no microphone. Don't you agree? I think sometimes the iPhone earbuds are even better than having a, a big mic in front of your face because the the mic is a barrier, right? right? It's it's a it's a small but simple, but it's, it's blocking, a barrier. It's blocking it part of your you. face, right? Yeah, yep. yeah. So um, when you're in the parks, are you just using your iPhone headset? That's it. Okay. Uh, no, I don't even use my headset. I it is just and the reason why, unless I'm in an incredibly loud, noisy situation, the reason why is part of connecting people to the experience is not just what they see, it's what they, it's hear. What they hear. So you're just so when you're actually on location, you're just letting all the ambiance of all the sounds around you get get come right into the, the iPhone basically, right? Absolutely. Yep. Huh. Now that's definitely um that's definitely creative when you're at Disneyland and they've created, you know, certain kinds of audio experiences and stuff. Uh, that's, that's really cool. Um, okay. So we've talked about lighting and audio when you're in the desk studio. And what about when you're, when you are in Disneyland, if you're in a slightly dark space, are you just using the, the light on, on the front of the iPhone to light things up or what are you doing exactly? Uh, a lot of times I won't. I mean, again, depending on what it is that I'm trying to do. You know, the other thing, too, is you always have to be, whether you're in Disney or anywhere else, I'm always um, courteous and respectful of the other people who are enjoying it on their own. So I will not talk loudly. I will not put a light on. I will not interrupt somebody else's experience for the sake of my own. Uh, and people understand that. They get that. Sometimes you walk through darker areas. And if I'm in Disneyland, I'll try and find a place that's a little bit well better lit if I'm doing it uh, in the evening. But again, people are very forgiving of that because, again, of that raw authenticity. Now, are you walking around with a little um, – uh uh, a little selfie stick or something so your arm doesn't go nuts or what, what are you doing? <laughs> it's really funny, man, because when I first started live broadcasting, I kid you not, I walked around with my MacBook and a webcam and a, uh, a, a little 4G dongle and a battery pack in my People uh, thought you were bag. crazy, didn't they? They're like, who's the freak bringing a laptop to Disney World? Like, go on a ride, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, in time, I've been able to pare that down. Like, you can't actually bring selfie sticks into Disney anymore, and I don't want to. Um, oh, really? I okay, yeah, I didn't know I, that. I, um, huh. I try and be as compact as possible. So, so what do you, how, are you, how are you doing it then? 
Without a nor- selfie stick. I am the human selfie stick, brother. I will uh, wow. I will hold the phone out and as you know, far as my little alligator arms can go. I would guess if you're sitting, you could you could prop up your leg and use it as a as a uh, to keep your arm stable, right? Um, yeah, and there's some. I, I do. I mean, depending on where I am and what I'm going to be doing and and how um, you know, if something I've planned out ahead, I do have like a, a little mini tiny tripod, like one of those little uh, like a baby gorilla a thing that'll um, wrap around a, a pole or, or stand it up on a table and can put the phone there. But most of the time, man, it's me in my hand. And the only thing I'll probably bring with me is a small external battery charger just so I don't get, um, you know, clipped with, with running out of battery. When you're on location at a place that's uh, in an amusement park, um, are there any considerations that we need to keep in mind when we go live on somebody else's property? Uh, so this, this is not, legal and I know advice. you're a former attorney, <laughs> right? So I'm not giving out legal advice. I mean, certainly, uh, depending on where you are, um, right. having permission from the people, um, you know, some, some I'm simply asking ahead of time is, is wise, uh, especially too, if you have, if there's other people around you that might not feel comfortable if you're live broadcasting right. and them, and especially with kids, um, right. obviously with kids, I, I'm very, very deliberate in not showing kids unless maybe I talk to their parents first and you know, the kid's really cute and has something fun to say. Right. But, um, generally speaking, I would imagine most people don't even realize what you're doing because you're just holding up your phone. And for, as far as they're concerned, you could just be taking a picture or something or a video as everybody does anyways. Right. So I would imagine you could be rather inconspicuous about it. Uh, especially if, I mean, if you're on the go, but do you, have you ever had someone at Disney come up to you as you're walking around holding your camera up saying, Hey, you can't record here. Does that ever happen to you? Um, no, I, I mean, it- I mean, obviously, you go to Disney World and you watch – if you stand on Main Street and watch the fireworks over the castle, you're going to watch it over a sea of bluish-white lights because everybody is holding their phone up, either taking video, doing a snap, or live broadcasting or FaceTiming. So and a lot of times you won't see that. Um, certainly, having been doing this as long as I have in Disney, right. I know what's allowed and what's not allowed in terms right. of you know where I should go and what I should be filming or not. What other things should we keep in mind? Either um, you know, cell signal, batteries. I mean, any other any other tips for people that are? Should we put it in airplane mode? I mean, like any other tips for people that are doing on location? Because obviously, there's a lot more things that could go wrong when you're not in the comfort of your home office, right? Yeah, the you know the the cell signal is always the, uh, the the toughest thing, especially in a place you know like Disney World or Disneyland. The the, the cell signal there is just awful because there's forty thousand people trying to you know upload at all at the same time. Um, you know, a lot of times I'll stay off local Wi-Fi and use my LTE because I'll get a better signal that way than I will if I do Wi-Fi. But if I know I'm going to go live. I will shut down all my apps. I'll often reboot my phone just to sort of clear out, you know, the cache and the memory and things like that uh, and just make sure nothing else is running in the background, obviously. Do you find that it's a total drain on your batteries when you're live? I think Facebook Live is actually better than other apps like Periscope or Meerkat used to be in terms of the battery drain. And you definitely recommend uh, bringing an external battery, right? I mean, I would imagine it's safe to just have a little external battery in a... a, um, uh, a little cord, right. To have that sucker just in case. Cause if, like you said, if you go long because you're having a good show, you would hate for that sucker to just die on you. Right. Yeah. And I mean, some of them are now are so small, you know, you can, they're, they're like a little, you know, two packs of gum 
put together um, so it can fit in, in a front pocket. It's not a big, heavy, bulky um, brick anymore. So one of the things uh, you mentioned earlier is that engagement is a really big deal on uh, when, you're, when you're going live. Um, can you give some tips? Because I think this is one of the biggest challenges that we have, those of us that do live shows of any kind, and we do a live one every week. Um, and one of the biggest challenges is being, quote unquote, the entertainer, but also being the person who's interacting with the audience, right? Because... And you've been doing this long enough that it's a mad science for you, but it's a real struggle for most people to be able to talk and also keep an eye on the comments, right? And um, Absolutely, yeah. and 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 you don't want to have any, you don't want to have a lot of dead time while you're while you're scrolling through comments. So, you know, give some tips on how to how to do both, and um, in the end, you know, um, I'd love to dig down into specific things that you would recommend to get the engagement up. But first, how do you handle both of it? Because it is not easy. It is. It is a juggling act. And I know some people that, you know, broadcast from a studio and they have somebody monitoring the comments and somebody taking care of the video for 99.9% of us. It's us with our iPhone walking around trying to read it all. Um, you know, I tell people and they see sometimes that comments go by super fast and I ask them to repeat it because you, sometimes you can't, uh, monitor it all you know you again like you said you're trying to watch making sure the video is up you have a good signal your battery's not dying you're trying to watch the comments you're trying to come up with what to say next and not trip over your feet as you're walking through you know fantasy land so it, it is very much a juggling act but for me man that's part of the fun and i think that's part of that that raw authenticity is that we are kind of juggling and, and People like getting to peek behind the curtain and see how it happens. Well, I would imagine if you're walking through some sort of location, you could flip to the other camera instead of the self, you know, the selfie mode. You could flip to the other side and just say, hey, you guys take a look at this for a minute. And then you could be scrolling through the comments while they're doing that. Right. And at least they're been getting entertained by whatever's going on around you. Right. Um, but, and it goes to that first person adventure that I was talking about before. Exactly. So do you find yourself flipping the cameras back and forth a lot? Absolutely. Yep. So that's one way you can do it. Now, as far as actually getting people to engage with you throughout the duration, whether it's 10 minutes or, or, or 30 minutes, you mentioned earlier that you ask people to do certain kinds of things. Um, how often do you ask people questions throughout, let's say, a given 30 minute thing in order to keep the engagement alive? Very often, because for me, the show is, I don't want the show to be about me. I want the show to be about them. I want to hear their stories. I want them to be able to share and feel like they are not just passive observers, but they are really part of the whole experience. So if I'm in, in my studio and we're just having conversations, that's exactly what I want it to be. And what that does too is it allows you to show, and and again, going back to the sense of authenticity, you can care at scale. So I want to hear from Mike from San Diego what you do, your first trip to Disney, the first time you took your kids there, whatever it is, because I'm going to do my best to remember you next time you come on and you say, hey, Mike, you know, you said you were going with your kids to you know, Hawaii, to Disney World. How was your trip? That's going to be something that they're going to go, wow, I can't believe he remembered not my name but my story, and that's what the Q&A allows me to do. I would imagine it's easier for you to do a show when you're walking around a theme park than it is for you to do one from your desk. Could I, am I wrong or right? I mean, I'm thinking maybe not just you, but people in general, because I think when you're showing people things and you don't even know what's going to be around the next corner, that's, that's a lot easier, isn't it, of a show to produce, right? 
Well, I think it's it's sometimes easier, especially if, if you're not comfortable, like, oh, what am I going to talk about? Well, it's not about what you're going to talk about. It's what you're going to show people. So you are giving them a tour. You are giving them that, that first person adventure. You are connecting them to that experience. So whether it's a, a conference, a convention, a, a process of doing something, it's not about the content that you are creating. It's the content that's being created by the environment that you're taking people to. Do you find that your data plan is through the roof? You must have a crazy data plan, huh? <laughs> Uh, I am grandfathered into like a really old, like archaic AT&T plan where I have unlimited data, um, which I burn, you know, pretty quickly. Obviously, they start to throttle it at a certain point, but um, it's it, knock on wood, it still works. So any other tips or suggestions that we have not yet talked about? We started with talking about all these different kinds of shows that you produce where you talk about like the news, you talk about Ask Me Anything, you, you show off things within your collection. We talked about how you go um, on location to walk them through the parks, to share a dining experience, to take in an attraction, to show some unique feature where maybe there's a person who's an expert that you're interviewing. We also talked about um, some of the lighting and audio stuff that you do, how to prepare before you go live, um, on location tips, and, and ideas on how to maybe balance it all and spur some engagement. Is there anything else that that we should share that from your experience that we haven't talked about yet? Yeah, so some people I think are saying, well, sure, Lou, it's easy for you to show about Disney World because you just, you know, you're talking about something that's easy and fun and that people want to see. But in my business X, I don't know how to actually do that. Mm -hmm. And I'll just sort of, if I can, kind of rattle through a couple of ideas that might spark somebody to say, well, maybe this is something that I can do. Right. So, yes, I can give a tour of Disney World, but I think if you are a restaurant, if you're a hotel, if if you're Mike Stelzner and want to show the new social media marketing world office space or your factory or warehouse, again, people want to look behind the curtain, right? You want to give me a how-to. Again, when, but I will tell you this. Before I start every video, every live broadcast, I say, what, what am I going to deliver? What is the value that I'm going to bring to them? Show people how to do a, a, a how-to, how to build something, how to use your product. You're giving them something of value. Um, you know, you can live demo, you can unbox something, you can, I, I Mike, I say this all the time because it's true. I have literally in the past said, I'm going to go get my real estate license for no other reason so that when I list a house or I have a listing before the open house, I would do a virtual open house and walk people through and ask and answer their questions and generate interest and show off the features and then turn the people who are thinking about it into people that will actually come. They're almost pre-qualified by the time they get into the house because they've seen it already. Now they want to see it in person. You've already gotten them over uh, that threshold. Um, you can hold contests. You can... Um, by the way, focus I, I, I focus. I love, I love these ideas because there, there are so many things that we can do and we could even just ask people, what would you like to see next, right? Exactly. What should I do on the next show? Because that alone, just going through the comments, because like you said, the comments are going to come fast and furious and you're just not going to be able to get to them all. I would imagine you could comb through the comments once the Facebook Live is done and come up with five to 10 ideas for future shows that you could do, couldn't you? Absolutely. Most definitely. And Because you, you're really running 
a little focus group, right? You've got all these people who are so interested in you or your product or so you can say, hey, what, what's a good topic for the next show? What do you think about this, this new product idea or some logo ideas or what? You can crowdsource that feedback right on the spot by really sort of informally surveying them right there. And what's really cool is you can go live from a personal profile or from your page or to groups or to event pages on Facebook. So there's just so many different audiences where you can mess around with this. Lou, I just want to thank you for sharing how you're doing what you're doing. It's my hope that people that are listening right now are saying, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to try. I don't want to be overnight like Lou Mangello and do all these crazy things that Lou does, but I want to try something simple. And um, I think that my hope is that you've inspired them to be able to do that, Lou. Um, Thank you, first of all, for coming on the show. Secondly, why don't you tell people where they can find you and the shows that you're doing if they want to watch some of what you're doing live, because there's a really good chance that, that they're going to be able to find you and start watching you and maybe find some inspiration that way as well. Well, thank you so much for having me, Mike. Uh, I really uh, I appreciate it, and I appreciate you and the opportunity. So all the Disney stuff I do is at WDWRadio.com. Uh, my personal profile is where I put my videos at, and it's Facebook.com slash Lou Mangiello, and I am at Lou Mangiello on uh, all the other social and uh, LouMangiello.com as well. Lou Mangiello, thank you so much for thank joining you, me on the show. Have a good one. You too. Well, I hope you found a lot of value in today's show, and I hope you're inspired to go out and start your own show and particularly a live video show. By the way, we take all the notes for you, so if there's anything we mentioned you just didn't catch it, don't worry. We got it all at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 206. Also, if you're new to the show, please subscribe. Hit that subscribe button on your podcast player so you never miss a future episode. And if you've been listening for a while and you've been meaning to give me a review, would you consider doing it? socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes. I know there are tens of thousands of you that listen and very few that actually do the reviews, but would you consider doing it? Seriously, socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes. I'd love to know what you think about the show. This brings us to yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.